almost blurred. It's your girl Dove Cat. I'm your girl Dove Cat. Dove Cat. Almost blurred. So it's your boy JB. JB. Almost blurred. And this is Almost Blurred. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Almost Blurred. I am your girl Dove Cat and usually I have a piece of advice for you guys. Um, I really don't have anything, but oh, I just thought about something. Oh, Funny okay. story. Okay. This is a piece of advice for you guys. I want people to leave in enough time where they don't have to rush because I made a costly mistake because I was rushing. So picture it, 8.30, no, 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 7.30, 7.45-ish in the morning. You got to take your kid to school. You open to the garage. But in your haste, you don't really wait the amount of time that you need to wait in order for it to clear your car. And you back up and it hits the little shark fin on top of your car. Knocks it clean off. Clean off. (laughs) Yes. The little shark fin that's over whatever that is on top of the car. Gone. Yeah. Oh. Intact. Yeah. Yeah. Intact, but gone. And I must say um, that the $399 it takes to replace it, to fix it, was not worth it. <laughs> so with that being said, <laughs> that being said, press your button and just wait for your garage to open. Because even if you're rushing, you're still going to be late. Wow. So yeah. 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 I'm. Wow. Well, okay. you know, my other uh, podcast, so she always said that she was, uh, she lived in a time zone that was 30 minutes behind everyone, even if she was actually living in the same city as everyone. But that was her logic. I'm always late because I somehow live in a time zone that's 30 minutes behind everybody. She lives this in an the same dimension. person who, yeah, multiverse. Okay. But she's also the same person where someone passed away in her family and they gave her the wrong time just so that she was there on time. And was mad when she showed up and she realized they lied to her about the time. Now, see. <laughs> so, yeah. That's never happened to me, ever. That they gave me the wrong time so I would be there on time. And I know who this person is. Tell her to get her life together. Get it uh, right now. It's it's a little too late for that. It no. is a little too late for that. No, no. But anyways, empty ways. So, y'all, in the history of Almost Blurred, we have a guest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. This person I've known since undergrad. We were in all <laughs> all types of things in undergrad, all types of shenanigans. Um here we have do you just want to use your name? Are you cool with just using your name? Yes. Or do I'm you want to call you Hi, everybody. <laughs> no. Uh no, no. No? Uh, okay. Call me. I'm yeah. <laughs> Just call you Ahmed. All right, you guys. It's our special guest, yes. Ahmed. Hey, Ahmed. Yeah. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes. <laughs> Kayla, we know each other for going on 18, 17, 18 plus years. Yeah. You're the, like the, yes, you're the first person I met from Kingston in that area and everything. First of all, it's hey, Kingston. Like, Ken. Ken. I was going to say, we don't have a G in our city's name. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where I'm from too. Yes. <laughs> minor correction. Minor, just minor correction. Mm-hmm. And then we have. Every time I say I'm from Kingston, they're like, oh, Jamaica? I ain't nothing I said said that I was from Jamaica. <laughs> they just wanted to add that G because it's weird for them to just say Kingston. I'm just like, y'all, there's no G. It, it's, it, it sounds no. exactly, exactly how it's spelled. There's nothing extra to add to it, to take away. Nothing. Well, the- there's some G's out there. Don't get me wrong. Like, I tell them, tell them, Caleb, there's some G's out there, but not, not in the name. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, we uh, talked about this last week that we were going to start bringing people on the show that share, shared similar interests in mm-hmm. this whole nerdy atmosphere that we've created on Almost Blurs, where we know that we do not know everything, but we know enough to be dangerous and we know enough to make up really terrible theories about where we think things are going to go. Our theories are never terrible. And I just want to put that out there. They're never <laughs> terrible. <laughs> But what better way to to share that than to have people up here who probably know a little bit more than us or maybe know about as much as we do so we can get lost in a lot of terrible theories about where things are going to go in this this comic book world that we've thrown ourselves into. So, yeah. Ahmed, I know you said that you've, you've known a co-host for about 18 years. Let people know who you are. Where did, When did you fall in love with all this nerdy stuff that we're That's probably going to be diving That's into. That's a good later. question. That is a It's kind of like question. Brown Sugar when he was like, when you fall in love with hip hop? When did I fall in love? The movie, and I fell in love, just comics in general, was probably in my adolescence, just Saturday morning cartoons, just understanding mm-hmm. and then opening the the keyhole of other things. Like my first true love, and I remember even it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and and honestly Power Rangers and just realizing mm, oh yeah. like these are great shows and great content. I was I was probably Cyclops one year for Halloween and I was Donatello another year for Halloween as well. And just also seeing where where uh, where the storylines went, the movies and live action films and going into X-Men and I just fell in love with the pathways of where this went and realized and then Spider-Man, the animated series, the first time understood like, okay, this storyline is amazing. And I feel like it's the most underrated 90s show oh, yeah. out there. Even yeah, even close to the yeah, Batman animated series is probably still number one. But I like I fell in love with that and I realized, okay, these shows have content. So they open up to the content, the comics, the live action films. And then when my first film like really like Going into Marvel again, it was just seeing that first Spider-Man movie at South Point and just like, okay, wow, this is an amazing film here and to see where this goes and open myself up to all the mm-hmm. Yeah, with Toby. Yeah, Toby, yeah, Toby's my Toby's my Spider-Man as well. Yeah. Yeah. To- Toby <laughs> Toby Toby is my adult Peter Parker. And the same way we correlate with Spider-Man is and we dissect who's the better one is the same way how we do with Batman. Cause some some of them are like, wow, he's a great Bruce Wayne, but horrible Batman. Mm-hmm. What he was George a, Clooney? Was, in that? was George, George Clooney good at either one of them? He, he he was handsome at the time. I felt like he was just a handsome Bruce Wayne. He was just okay. He's a handsome Bruce Wayne, but it was that movie was about let's push these products. We have a <laughs> yeah. we have Arnold Schwarzenegger who was still in his quote unquote end of his prime as the action lane. We have Uma Thurman and then we had Chris O'Donnell who who should have been Nightwing already. He was just too old to be Robin. And we had all these others like star studded cast, but we felt like, okay, we're just pushing toys. And that was that late nineties when it came to films where we got to push these toys. We got to push these things. We want these kids to rush at Christmas, the parents to be like, jingle all the way. I need that toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need that. I need that Batmobile. <laughs> Shout out to, um, what's her name? Um, Vivica A. Fox for going to a strip club to learn how to be the character that she was in that movie. She said that mm-hmm. she actually went to a strip club to study strippers so that she could be what? the character. That it, she, it, 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 was, was that also uh, Independence Day as well? Was she dancing too? Because she, she was a stripper too. She was serious about the craft. She mm-hmm. was serious okay, about she, her craft. And, and, and. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Amen. Yeah. P Valley. Matter. But so. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's go ahead and move into the icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, you have we have something. an icebreaker. Oh, I'm sorry. You're still talking, JB. What's up? Oh, no, 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 no. Because I, I, I already gave him the rundown. Like, this oh, is what we got here. Yeah. Okay, I was late. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the top of the show, y'all know that we do an icebreaker. Basically, is um, from the week that we've just had, like, what have we enjoyed the most? from the week mm-hmm. on the internet. And I'm trying to think, was there something that really kind of stood out to me? There is this one thing on TikTok that's fairly new that they're doing. And it's basically, <laughs> I think it's like specifically <laughs> for like Black History Month. And it's just like things like you have a chance to talk to your ancestors and you you know, your ancestors are just like, oh, you get to travel on your own. And, and they're like, yeah. And then it'll just be something crazy. Like, so for example, the one that I saw that really made me chuckle, it was like, the ancestor was like, oh, so you're getting ready to go on a vacation? That's great. And she's just like, yeah, I'm getting ready to go on an Atlantic cruise. And the ancestor was just like, have you learned nothing? And then like was about to punch her in the face. <laughs> that was really funny. So that's like, been like my favorite thing from this past week. What about y'all? So mine has been... <sighs> I've gone down the rabbit hole of the videos with the lady who says, everybody's creative. (laughs) And and everybody's so creative videos have been taking me down. She's hilarious. Like, because because it it really at first I was like, maybe she's scripting this. Maybe she's no. But sometimes you can tell she's genuinely shocked at the direction that the video was going in. (laughs) Me too. And it just it just takes me down. Like the one that I I posted on my Facebook was when she was um, the person started off boiling chicken and all they did was boil chicken. They didn't do anything. She was like, yeah, it looks bland, but it's supposed to be that way. (laughs) And she just keeps going. And I'm just. She's like, doesn't that look like something you've never seen before? <laughs> it is. There's just so much about those videos that are just so funny to me. So that's that's been where I'm at. Because, you know, with how things are, sometimes you need a good laugh. And she definitely gives me a good laugh. For sure. Okay. Uh, well, I, I've been on a good wave compared to the good, the high and low. Uh, the <laughs> high I've actually seen is seeing black men and black women take care of pets and take care of dogs and without being kids and realizing how the struggle of being parents and relationships where there was a scene where uh uh let's say the guy was talking in a point where like okay uh he was looking the dog was sitting back had the full clothes and everything like okay like why are you talking to me as well? We we all know who the who runs the house and everything. It's mom and everything. <laughs> so if the dog is like, oh, uh, hey, sit down on the back seat, and he was like, I was like, who are you talking to? Why are you raising your voice? <laughs> so just and just so just seeing dogs like dress up and just like as little humans and cultivate and realize, hey, there's there's a beauty and a laugh to it. So that that's the good part. I have another part of this week as well, but I don't if you guys ready for that that I felt about this week as well. Are you, are you ready? Do we want to keep? We yeah, ready? I'm ready. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, it just this week has been troubling, and I don't know if it's us. I feel like it's bots. I feel like these accounts are not real. About what is the definition of black masculinity, and it's it's issue with ASAP Rocky holding his daughter, his yes. child, and realizing that oh my wife is a bill or my partner is a billionaire, and the focus is on a billionaire, and we know ASAP Rocky is not the most muscular do but he's holding a child and i never held a child as much as my own child because i don't have any children but i realized holding a child to stand to stand fat in a photo is challenging but also kissing his child that's not masculine 
and holding and also holding his woman who's the centerpiece of the film or the, the, the concept of this. So they felt like, oh, well, he's one walking through sand, wearing, holding a child and showing affection and how that's emasculated. Also how our brother, uh, uh, you know, Jonathan Majors is in a, it's in a photo shoot that is not dark, that is not black, that he doesn't look threatening, that he's just living and holding flowers and just wearing colors. And literally it was off a cosplay of another anime series. That's what, the, and it was co-rated by a black, uh, you know, a photographer. So it just reminds me of that black man cannot now, just because this, these bots have said black masculinity, we cannot hold our daughter or child. We cannot show kiss and affection of a child. We cannot hold hands to our partner. We cannot wear gr- bright colors. We cannot wear pink. We cannot wear red. We cannot have our shirt off. We cannot look vulnerable. We cannot wear flowers, whole flowers. So we as black men need to hold dogs, look violent, <laughs> look threatening. It needs to be a pit bull. We have to be sexual. We have to be a pit bull. Like we cannot be in these spaces. Like as a black man who was more dark skin, I remember how it was like, oh, we got to wear neutral colors. We got to wear dark colors because it's slimy. Like we cannot wear colors or look in a brightening sense. We have to look threatening or black or in a mm-hmm. dominant hood figure pose like sitting like this as well. We cannot just be at peace. So it, that's what that, that's what that that's what the algorithm has said. And just like these bots or these hoteps or these people who are in charge, like black men cannot be this. We have to be in a certain space with probably women naked on the floor. So we can have so we can do this. It's it's weird because right before I came on to this, well I was waiting for the link. Um are you familiar with Teslin Figaro? No, no. Mm-mm. She's a um She's a um, political analyst. Um, she works with Ben Crump, and sometimes she does these things where you know she's posting content for like the discourse, right? And not like in a bad way, mm-hmm. just to get other people's opinions and stuff. And I just got off of one where they're talking about Jonathan Majors and some of the comments, basically saying there was an agenda trying to be pushed by Hollywood. Um, look at him, da 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 da, about Jonathan Majors, and I was just like. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is weird that you think that um honestly though even if he now granted with the Jonathan Majors thing some of the discourse was around they didn't understand why he was holding flowers in a boxing uniform and that type of thing some of them really didn't understand why he was wearing boot pants and this pink thing or whatever like really feel like that it was Hollywood trying to make him more feminine and get rid of whatever. And my thing is, is just that how fragile is your masculinity that it can be lost from a picture or from clothing or a color? How fragile is it that you can lose it if a picture is posted that's something other than a black man holding guns or a pit bull or chains or what have you? Like how, 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 how fragile does it have to be in order for you to lose it? And then on top of like ASAP rocking it, don't get me wrong, y'all. I'm not one to defend him because he is, I'm still not convinced he's not a colorist. However, I do feel like it's crazy that people would get at him for, and he has a son. And maybe that might be some of the discord too, because it's a boy that he's kissing who is his actual son. I don't understand. I, I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. And the pu- doesn't make we, sense. And if we're being honest, but these people would not have survived in the. Look, can you imagine if these same people were trying to live during the seventies or the eighties, where everything that they were, you you'd be walking around saying that, like, how how would you survive? How like nothing about how you lived. I knew that we were moving in a weird direction when and 
RIP to him because he was still a rap legend in his own right. DMX had been interviewed somewhere before and they were talking about this picture of Beyonce and Jay-Z on the beach. And he had a problem with Jay-Z being on the beach in the sand wearing flip-flops. And I'm like, what is he supposed to be on the beach in Thames? He on the beach. Look at that. He can have on flip flops. He can be barefoot. He on the beach. <laughs> like it's you ain't got to be dressed like you from New York all day, every day. I don't understand. In the winter. It's appropriate it to wear to the beach. That's what you wear to the beach. Yeah. Well, I knew that we were moving in a, a weird direction when I remember seeing that happen. And I'm like, oh, oh, we're complaining about what people are wearing at the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are the same men that still wear uh, socks and slides to the beach or to the pool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're realize, ashamed. They realize, like, of how their feet look. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them should be. Look, you and your, your thing yeah. with, with feet. But I mean, if, if that, is that a masculine trait? Having poor feet? Hand them out. <laughs> Let's see the dark toenails. Let's see the corns. Let's see the bunions. If it's masculine, have them out. Have them, them hardworking feet out. Let's see them. Ooh, Why does it matter so much? <laughs> I guess it's, and I guess I I it's a feminine trait to take care of your feet. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, but I, like to Ahmed's point is like it really if if Jonathan Majors was taking those same pictures and he wasn't wearing bright colors, no one would have had an issue. <laughs> or or if like, he wasn't, yeah, or if he wasn't in shape, because it felt like to me it felt like, dang, I didn't put down this bear biscuit, or let me put down like, this <laughs> meal that let, let me let me uh, let cook this this chicken for dinner time. Let me go do some crunches real quick. I was like, damn. This brother did work out, and he and he, and the funny thing, he was in decent shape before in Lovecraft Country, but now he looks like he's in Marvel movie shape. This mm-hmm. is the thing that goes on, and who this is an Ebony magazine. Who you're marketing to? Women. We didn't have the same issue when Will Smith worked out for Ali or for Edge Alpha was like working out and everything. Like these are, I hate to say, he is a now a sex symbol. Oh, they're gonna lose their shit when they start doing heavy promo for the film where he's um the bodybuilder. Body Oh, yes. they're gonna lose their shit then. But I think what's crazy yeah, though. Oh, sorry. I, go ahead, I mean. Oh no, no. It's it, it's 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 a lot of things that when it comes to black males, like who who we're targeting, we're targeting to women, and unfortunately, the people that have a lot of choice, like they never seen black men comfortable enough like that. I think even like the icons of Denzel or other people, like that's who he's being compared to as well. Yeah, they're compared to as well, like or uh or even like uh. Uh, City Portier, you know, at that time, you know, she's been, poor, you know, it's just the conserv- conservative of black male and their bodies. And even in space with black people, black photographers, this is for black women and the demographics for black women. It's like, why do we have to be so fragile and upset? And unfortunately, it realized that. And I remember to myself, the Internet sometimes is not a real place. It's These not. People are probably not real. They're probably not real people. Mm-hmm. Are probably, who knows, are not even black people or part of the diaspora as well. So... I, I, maybe I'll they just don't this. love the black subs. I will say this. I um I'm on the internet a lot. I think they call it chronically online. Um <laughs> and on my my journey on online and stuff, I come across different phrases and things. And um and it sometimes it didn't make sense. It kind of did, but now it really makes sense now that I'm thinking about this whole Jonathan Majors thing. That photo shoot is what I had said it was for the female gaze. It wasn't for men. Which is why they feel like it's feminine and women are loving it. Now, I don't know what he would have to be wearing for that photo shoot to be considered something for the male gaze. But a lot of times they're not. Ebony is a, I'm sure it's majority read by female. My thing is this. If they, we had, he he did men's health. 
Oh, he did. Where we saw pictures of him working out. He's shirtless and glistening and all this other stuff. That would be for the male if gaze. If you ask me, it's for the male gaze. But they also did that photo shoot knowing that women would see it. <laughs> they knew that there would be people who would see him mm -hmm. and be like, oh, this yeah. is hot. I'm going to follow this. I just think that there, this uproar about something like that is just so bizarre to me because if anything, they should be kind of appreciative that we're seeing a black man on this magazine being essentially glorified for the features that so many people who are black were discriminated against have when they were having like he has a very prominent nose he has full lips he has the whole aesthetic that so many people used to to have so many negative things to say about they still do. black people and oh yeah they, they do but I mean, he's also still like everything about this y'all want right now you want everything that comes with this man that has all of these features. It's it's it's, it's a. I saw some of those arguments, and I'm just like, what agenda do you actually think they are pushing with this? Like, I don't understand. There's a gay agenda. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, and and that's mm -hmm. yeah. For some reason, like we like we act like there wasn't even in civil rights queer leadership, black leadership as well that. Mm -hmm. We like we're we're okay with two women kissing. Yeah, we're okay with that. You know, honestly, even like we're open with women like or being in that. It, it doesn't matter to me because if a black heterosexual man had likes, oh, I like seeing two women kiss in a sexual anal. Like that doesn't mean I'm weird and everything like that. Like that means technically I'm open or okay to everybody on the spectrum of LGBTQ plus A and everything. I can't be have a hypocrisy like oh that's disgusting and everything as well with mm -hmm. any other person of the different type of spectrum there. So it, I don't get that. I really don't get the, the thing there. And there's not really, there's not a gay agenda there. We're just like, oh, they're actually being seen without being like totally, truly feminine, like in the stereotypical world of feminine. Man, right. Back then, you just see that we saw in the 80s and 90s in the film, we just saw the feminine gay friend of the, of the female lead. Mm -hmm. Now, actually, they're actually the human. They actually look human. Now, unfortunately, we there is an agenda in Hollywood and in commercials recently when it comes to. Okay, so this is safe, but I damn, I want to say it like that. It's I know exactly like, what you're getting ready to like, say. You, you, you know what to say. And it's I, not I'm agenda. exactly, it's like, exactly it's like, what you're getting ready to say. And I, 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 I feel like it's a double edged sword because now I see more prominent women, black women, in spaces that are not just the stereotypical 80s, 90s role of being that woman, that side partner, that friend, we see leadership. But unfortunately, when we are cast in these films, there always has to be the counterpart that is the male antagonist, unfortunately, is always the base, is always a white male in these. And even Bridget, who I thought I love, like, I felt like, is that truly accurate? Come on, like, would a white man really be with that person of color like this? And there, there, there's a true mixture of community that has to be seen, can, but it just, it feels I mean, like over time. thinking about the, one of the post-credit scenes from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm sitting here like, so y'all really trying to t tell me that this man from 1901, this black man is yeah. standing yes. on stage in front of a room full of white people and they are listening to him? <laughs> yeah, this is not Frederick Douglass. I'm sorry, the only person would have done it was Frederick Douglass, and that's it. <laughs> that was literally <laughs> the first thing that came to mind. I'm looking around like, oh, so... All right. He the only black man in this entire room, and he was able to convince all of these white people to come in here and listen to him talk about time. Hmm. I yeah, hear yeah. you, but we know that's not yeah. realistic. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I, I think yeah. that Hollywood is in, in movies in general. They're trying. They've been trying to find ways to erase some of the bad things by just creating pieces that make it seem like we've always been integrated that way. 
but it's not yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. And that's not it's true. Not true. It's like, I but then they also be. don't want to tell the stories that are accurate to it because now white people specifically are starting to feel like, oh, these stories are intended to make me feel bad. No, mm-hmm. it's intended to make mm-hmm. you feel informed. And if you happen to feel bad in the process, that's that's all on you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's that guilt. Right. And, I'll, I'll give you, I, mm-hmm. and I'll give you a perfect example that's going to come out. There's about to be a, they're going to milk this, a pink lady movie, like the original the origination of the pink ladies from the Greece cinematic mm-hmm. universe. It looked wet. And it's yeah, and it's in nineteen fifty five. Why did they have a light skinned brother on the on on, on the, in the city like like nineteen fifty five? Who's integrating who and I have to actually look up like when were California or Los Angeles County schools were integrated? Because I'm like, this is nineteen fifty nine or fifty five. Mm-hmm. This California is a always of, been progressive. They haven't always been progressive. Yeah. It's it like is, Yeah. I know what they're trying to do, and um, it's almost just like I see what y'all trying to do by trying to be more more diverse. But it does it doesn't make sense for them to be there in 1955. Like, <laughs> like make it make sense. Yeah, it does not. It needs to make sense. If you're trying to do it, make it make sense. And unfortunately, it will make more sense for you to do it in present day if that's what you're trying to do. Don't try to throw it during a time period when we know that's not how it would. It's like saying in the 18. 18- can you imagine that post credit scene taking place in like the early 1800s and they're really trying to convince us that somebody's they, people how did you get in this room <laughs> how are you in this room like those are the types of things that were irritating yeah. me when i watched that but we, we'll get into that later yeah. when we start that, diving that, into it oh yeah that's a that, that's a whole different story and a whole lot more of you know what we know one thing we need to talk about that. <laughs> right right yeah. Yeah. okay so i guess yeah. we can we can now we can move our way into blurry news so anyone who's listening for the first time blurry news is our time to go through some of the news things that we came across during the week and um yeah just kind of dive into it i'm going to go ahead and start off with dc here they did drop the trailer to the flash mm-hmm. Um, so, so Dovecat and I have had conversations about this. Um, we have been having conversations about this for a while. Obviously we knew that this trailer was coming. Um, and that trailer looks good. Like I can't deny that. Like none of us can deny that the trailer actually looks like it could be a decent, but now this is presenting an argument on, on social media about, is it, should people because there are people who are trying to make people feel bad for not wanting to go see it because of everything that Ezra Miller has been a part of so we know that there have been so many movies that have been canceled for no reason like Batgirl or I think people whose movies have just been outright scrapped because of some of the antics that certain people in the film were part of and it's like look if we push this this is going to go bad let's just show that we're not in support of what they did and we're just going to scrap it but here with Ezra Miller and DC in The Flash, that looks like that's not what's going to be happening and it's coming out. And people are like, well, if you're not going to go see it, all these people worked really hard on this movie and da 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 da. And <laughs> yeah, yeah they, and they, that's they, where they a lot of us fall. So I want to get your opinion on that. I mean, like, how do you feel about this movie? Like, because I mean, I'm sure you probably saw the trailer too. You're like, yo, this actually does kind of look yeah, a little at, at, at this At this point, I felt like DC couldn't burn anything down. And when I heard of at least that Henry Cavill wouldn't be part of this film, I was like, okay, well, 
just scrap, scrap everything you have and just try to go for it. And at least at this quote unquote film that's similar to the Flashpoint movie, mm-hmm. end everything, end everything, and just start over brand new with James. Even though Gunn is like, he's a problematic in his own self, in his own right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, moving on, all that's just white privilege as well. You're able to finesse your way up the ladder pole. I feel that they, this should be wrapped up. And out of all the films, like going forward, I feel like this is the last thing that from anybody. So at this point, if Edger Miller, you know, honestly, uh, Ben Affleck, who I actually appreciate his suit better, and I don't really appreciate him being an old Batman, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, this is how it goes and everything. And this, this is what I expect from them. I really felt this was the only this out of the only movie they probably could have made that would actually would be profitable. So I think they were looking on the economic standpoint because mm-hmm. of these other characters that this way would be profitable to go forward and salvage as much as they can. So this is, I think it was more a business move. And unfortunately, when you have a capitalist society, when it comes mm-hmm. to morality, mor- capitalism comes before morality. Hey, this is the movie that probably will make at least 300 million post-COVID off box office than Batgirl or a, uh, I'm sad, a Henry Cavill's super uh, Man of Steel film will probably do well. And this is the best we could. So that's, yeah. that's my small take on it. Yeah, when I saw the trailer, I'm looking at this trailer and I'm like, it looks like they were actually finally about to get something right. Mm-hmm. Because the Flashpoint mm-hmm. arc itself is a pretty iconic arc in DC Comics. And even when you go watch the animated films, that animated film was super dope. <laughs> like, it mm-hmm. was good. So it was just like, oh, they decided they were going to get it right. And then they got it wrong by the casting that, that we all hated from the moment he was really on screen. Like, I've never liked Ezra Miller as The Flash. And then, like, Dovecat used to say, like, why is he running, like, Sydney from Scary Movie? Like, in the halls. <laughs> like, what is, what is up with all of this? Well, it, it's just very irritating. So, like, I looked at it. Someone on my Facebook was like, okay. They, they messaged me just to say, I know you like comic book movies and comic book stuff. And I also know you don't want to see that movie. Like, I would actually pay for your ticket if it would make you feel like you weren't <laughs> like supporting the film because you weren't giving the money. I'm like, I could just watch it bootleg. I just can't see myself actually paying the money to see it just because, like, I just I'm amazed at how much they were willing to stand behind Ezra through all of the stuff. And like you said last week, like D- James Gunn is is problematic in himself, but he also didn't have like true victims. Like mm-hmm. these people, he did these things to like Ezra did. Like you kidnapping people, you broke into somebody's home. You're doing all people. kinds. Of- yeah, I'm like, you you're done. You're, 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 you're grooming people. You're grooming people in a sexual manner. Right. It's like there's not too much that Ezra had not done. And the fact that they were like, you, I really, truly feel like they had a conversation with them and was like, OK, look, you go to rehab. So it looks like you're working on yourself and you just stay out of the public eye for as long as you possibly can so that we can release this. Because if you do anything else, there's no way we can stand behind it anymore. But yeah, I'm going to say this. This. And I said this last last week when we were talking about it. Um, and I thought about something else when I was re-listening to that part that we were discussing the flash. And I still feel the same. I'm mad because the trailer looks lit. Um, uh, Michael Keaton is probably my favorite Batman on screen. Loved him. Um, I even like Ben's suit in this one. Like, I mean, I saw some things that I was loving about what I was getting ready to see, right? Until all this foolishness came out with Ezra. And my thinking, this is and I still feel the same way, but it's like Yes, the argument can be made that 
people did this work of art and they want to put it out, yada, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. The people have already been paid. However, let's not act like films like this don't get people on kind of front page as far as just like acting roles and things like that. And like, I feel like while releasing this film, they are giving Ezra an opportunity um, to get more work, um, to be even more famous than what they already are. And it's like, I... (laughs) I hate it. I just hate it because it looks like it's going to be a dope film to the point like yesterday they were playing a preview in Quantumania and my son was just like, oh, I want to see that. And I had to tell him. No, you don't. I said, we're not. I said, we're not going to see it. I said, mommy's not spending her money on tickets to go see this. And of course, he's eight. He was just like, well, why? And I was like, because the guy who's playing The Flash is not a good person and mommy's not going to support that. And I was just like, if it comes on HBO Max, we'll watch it. I said, but until then, I'm not spending one green cent on Ezra Miller. And I mean that. Hmm. And yeah, even if I somebody paid for me to go, I don't think I'm going. Yeah, I'm just going to watch it from home. I, you know, I had an amazing copy of um, Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> if I can get a good copy of that one, I'm sure I can get a good copy of The Flash. Because there was no way I was going to the theaters to watch a three and a half hour movie. Yeah. In one sitting, I'm gonna have to pause. I need to go get something to eat. I need to go do some restroom breaks. I got it. I need. I need that because that movie was just yeah. too long. Yeah, it was. And even like what they did with Ray Ray Fisher was horrible. And mm-hmm. there are so many things with a Snyder cut that I felt that could have been much better with that movie going forward with that universe. And even with Jason Moen be like leaving as Aquaman, I don't even think his film was gonna come out with Aquaman. I felt that was a decent movie as well. But yeah, the, when, the first one was see, actually a decent Aquaman. See, I mean, decent, yeah, decent film. Aquaman. Yeah, decent overall film. And I, it's mm-hmm. frustrating because this is what we see. We want to see our characters on the screen and the live action. But it's like a point where what else can we do? Because they're just horrible human beings. We see that. We see how this is. I hate to say this is how Hollywood works and everything. And this is how it goes. And it's, it was. I was telling. I might have been telling JB this. And I was just like, I missed the time where we didn't really know anything personal about singers, movie stars, like any of that, right? And though I know that we have kind of gone into this time where people are oversharing, trying to be a little bit more personable, knowing that people want to see that in order to be able to support you. I get all of that. But like you get people like Ezra Miller and he's just a dickhead. And then you got even people like Summer Walker, like, girl, you sound slow. I don't want to know that about you. So I just, I want to go back to a time where there was some mystery clouding the people that we looked up to and watched on TV and listened to in our ears. Y'all really could take a page out of um, Beyonce's book. As long as we have the internet, I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Like, you got to be able to surround yourself with people that you trust to not tell your business. And you got to be conscious enough to know that you can't just be out here doing crazy stuff. Like, when when Solange beat up Jay-Z in that elevator, I feel like that was a nightmare for Beyonce. Because she knew she couldn't hide that. (laughs) So I'm like, there's, you know, we don't live in a time where people can really keep stuff like that under wraps. Because... We got people like TMZ and all of them that are on the lookout for stuff at all times. And then we got people like Summer Walker who feel like they need to let us know that they didn't want to feed their newborn actual food that a newborn should have. Like they go get honey and oats like or whatever she was doing with that child. Or they could choke. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, like there's a difference between being open and vulnerable, but then being out there and stupid. Because yes, yeah. we need to be, we need to expose evil people in this world and show that hey, you're doing all this frustration. You are the Lex Luthor of of the reality. Yes, 
But sometimes we just, everything doesn't need to be projected and brought out and open. And that's why sometimes social media is a balance. It mm-hmm. has to be, there has to be a happy medium right now. And unfortunately, that kind of thing is hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because there, there are some, people's out there, some people out there like, yeah, like even casting. Someone's like, like, hey, we have pushed for this person who's a decent person who actually portrays the character on the com in, in the in the story arc. We see this person visually. Then realize, oh, you're going with this person. Mm-hmm. Really? And then like, no, this person can't work. This can't yep. work. Or this person doesn't have the right pigmentation. Or this person has a weak background. Or I know this person is just a horrible person. Why are you giving this person this platform? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. Yeah. Well, so we, like I said, we got the Flash. Because of the Super Bowl, we got other trailers. They did drop another trailer to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which to me didn't reveal much more than some of the other trailers did. Still don't know what's it just going on. seemed to solidify that somebody's not gonna make the cut at the end of this film. They will not make it. They're not gonna see the credits. <laughs> so <laughs> just things are gonna happen, and they're not yeah. gonna make it to the credits. And I think we talked yep. about how we think that it might be. We could see it being Rocket because he's clearly gonna be a focus of this film. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of talks of it potentially being Drax as well. We might lose both of them. You never know. Right. But that trailer did show that one scene with Nebula, um, Gamora, and um, Peter Quill, where she basically, well, Gamora was like, no, the person you're describing sounds more like her than it does me. That is funny. That was funny. He starts looking at her like, maybe that was a good one. (laughs) Something in her eyes. That whole thing was crazy. But like, what were your thoughts? Did you see anything in the trailers that this particular trailer that kind of stood out a little bit more than the previous ones? Uh, I'll say that they gave the whole trailer of ending a, a trilogy, like one last ride. Hey, this is like one last voyage. We're family. We're doing it together. We're going to die together. We ride together. We die together. That kind of thing. And it's a it's now a correlation of they're dealing with the snap the post snap and going forward with this group as well and just like the Avengers team the Guardians and Gal in the comics as well storylines the Guardians and Galaxy is a team that rotate mm-hmm. as members as well okay so we'll see who goes who dies and everything and expands like right now this team I think is at six you remember we had at five and even mm-hmm. one point we're trying to see where this goes for as a team and we know that hey uh, Batista's tired of this bullshit he's tired of sitting in a makeup chair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's tired of doing that. He wants to be more. He wants to be seen as a whole person. And we're tired of seeing um, what we can do, what was going forward. And we just hope for the best and everything. I just I just don't feel that even like a character like Adam Warlock, I just felt like it was a waste. I was like, man, this should have been brought up during Infinity Wars. And I just felt like we're going to bring in a new character and a new villain that's probably both going to die in the third, you know, third film. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> right at Dovecat because I've been fussing about them not doing anything with Adam Warlock from the moment they introduced him in those credits that time. I was like, you introduced him years ago. And I know there could have been other opportunities at some point in time to bring him back into the fold. And now you're bringing him back in and what feels like it could potentially be a one and done thing. I, I did like that so. they included a scene where it was Drax and Adam Warlock fighting. Because I, I watched the trailer again and there's a moment where they're they're actually engaged in battle. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But, you know, it's going to... I think that I'm going to be interested to see if we see any of them anymore in future projects or if they're really going to truly use this as an opportunity to close out this and these characters with this movie. 
I don't think so. Only because, well, I don't think so only because they're so popular, but also we've only seen them under the writing of, for real, for real, James Gunn. They've been in other films and yes, they were still true to kind of their characters that we've seen them, but they've they've been written written very well under the pen of James Gunn. So I'd be curious to see like how that works, but I don't know. I just can't see them going away. They've already hinted at Gamora. Um, in um, what if and not to say we I don't know like I feel like we might get these characters again it just be played as somebody else somebody different um, with the multiverse coming up that's very possible um, it's going to be hard for me because Zoe Saldana is Gamora to me but I don't know I feel like we're going to see them again I don't think Adam Warlock is a one and done yeah, I don't know we're going to see I think that Gamora I think that Zoe Saldana is done she, yeah, she's I done. think she is tired of being overcommitted to these franchises. Like, and I feel I'm not even gonna blame the Marvel side. I think it's the Avatar side because I mean, James Cameron wants to create 50 of these fucking Avatar movies, and, and until they kill her off, she gonna have to keep coming back. <laughs> and I don't think, honestly, I don't think they're gonna kill her. Not mm-hmm. with the animosity going on between her and old boy. I don't think they're gonna kill her. She gonna be there to the very end. Gray. On Earth, he already said she was going to Earth. They're they gonna have to cut me out like they did Tay Diggs from All American. <laughs> just, just cut me out. I'm done. Just throw it in there, and I'm going home. <laughs> That's all. For me. But, but I hate to say it, and this might sound petty, but some of the actors that said they're done, like you haven't done any good acting skills besides this. Is it one thing you're like a really, really, really good actress or actor? And mm-hmm. to them, like your your talent is kind of limited. So I'm like, keep, keep is it getting their fault? million dollars, keep getting all the. Is it their well, fault, or is it because we've seen them uh, in franchises? It, it no, depends. But you, we, it we, depends. We, it depends. We we know some of these actors, actors, and I mean they're like in the generic form, like as them not know they're not that good. Honestly, most of them are like either pretty face or physically fit. And very attractive, like kind of. I like they they got cast and man, milk this money train because I don't really see you in it. Like outside of being in a rom com, I cannot see her in another. Film. I can't see it. Think about it. Some of these people, some of these people like, actually no, no. feel like they're above these things. And when yeah, you get into these film. huge films, you might get offered other stuff, thinking, "Oh no, there's another big opportunity. I'm gonna pass on that." Until those big opportunities don't come anymore, because if you think about it, there are a lot of people in the MCU using them as an example, that you don't really see them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They, they know, can't create it. It's almost like that argument that, who is it? Um, James Cameron said where, unfortunately, when you become a character in something like the MCU, you're identified as that character and not by the actor that you are. So unless they can find a role where they feel like they can almost recreate the same thing, kind of like what they did with Jeremy Renner when they tried to do that Bourne movie that wasn't good. Um, <clears throat> they it was. It would have been too far off from what they did. Or even Scarlett Johansson, who, you know, she can be an Asian woman if she wants to, but she did that movie where, um, what was that movie? Was it Lucy? Lucy yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah that shit was garbage. Like, how you had this whole movie making me think that this was going to be great, and she turned into a computer? Now, that was I, a good action scene. I give her that. That was a good action, honestly. A good action scene, because but that movie, it, it's, that was an example of a movie where the ending is so bad, it makes you look at the whole movie like, what did you make me watch? I think, <laughs> I think, I think you're right to like a certain extent, right? But then it's like, I think about, like, I don't know. I don't think that applies to Zoe Saldana because I've seen her in other things and felt like she was pretty good. Chris Pratt, I've seen him in other things and I thought he was decent. Um, 
I feel like with Jonathan Majors, I feel like this is really, I don't feel like this is going to be something that traps him. That's He's just that good. Um, but then you hear somebody like um, Oscar Isaac, who was basically just like, he didn't want to get caught up. Basically, he called it um, golden shackles, where you're presented with this opportunity that is good, but it kind of locks you down and makes it harder for you to do other things. And that wasn't necessarily something that he wanted to do. So I don't know. I can see both sides of it. I really can. Um, but the superhero franchise is not going anywhere. It's just it's just not. I don't know. Um, that's a hard one. Isaac, he's just racially ambiguous. So he has a lot of opportunities that a lot of the other characters don't have. And even though he joked about it in SNL, like he has opportunities to do a lot of different roles. And I hate to say it. That that's how I feel about it, unfortunately. Uh, but you're right. Some of these some of these actors are just typecast, unfortunately. Like you just can't see that as other things. But don't get me wrong, I would love to see Batista as in a rom com. I want to see his range and everything. And I want to see him and I hope this springboard to everybody behind the films. Everybody unfortunately there's not like a Debbie Allen leader for these films where you get to have an executive piece, you can have a writing piece, you can have a directorial kind of thing going forward. I just hope there are over opportunities for other people as well somewhere else. And I hope that. I wish them the best, mm-hmm. especially a lot of these uh, Black actors. I'm biased. I'm rooting for everybody Black in the MCU to not just live and just thrive somewhere else outside of that. Yeah. Uh, what'd you hope for? Oh, Wait. man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to go, we can get in our homework real quick. I just saw the title of an article that really threw me. <laughs> the title of the article says Batgirl 2 gets surprising update after cancellation of first movie. How did it work? How did it work? Yeah. Y'all, face, y'all faces did exactly what my face did when I saw uh, that article. <laughs> so this is what this is what they said. Okay, so Leslie Grace was talking with Variety uh, magazine and they were talking about the potential for a Batgirl 2. Okay, when asked about her previous statements concerning discussions with the film's directors about a sequel, Grace confirmed that we still are. We still are. We were uh, so excited about all the ideas that we had because you can see a long-term potential in the story that we were beginning to build. And then she, but then she said that she hasn't heard from James Gunn or Peter Safran. I, what are you talking about, ma'am? Girl, <laughs> this you're gonna get a sequel to a movie that was canceled. Huh? Uh, I felt that was just click. That was just that was a clickbait. I'm sorry. It had to be that was a- because it's just like, girl, you sound delusional. Now, apparently, there have been talks with other people that they do want to incorporate a Batgirl in this reboot, but nothing about that says we want to bring in the former Batgirl that had her movie canceled to be in the Batman and I mean, the brave and the bold or something like that. Like it's, that's not what I'm getting here. <laughs> it's like, I, I, no. So I, I, I feel a little bit better after reading this and feeling like it is absolutely nonsense, but the, um, the title threw me to see that. Like, how do you have plans to do a sequel to a movie that got canceled? It don't work. It don't. It's either going to be sorry, a brand new movie or it's not, but you can't have a sequel to a movie. Nobody saw. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You could- no, just repackage the whole thing and just call it a day. Just, I'm sorry. Unless... I, mean, I don't even know if that's possible because the directors already said that they were trying to get in and see the footage and it had been gone. It was deleted. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what? what? I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get okay. it. And, uh, so they didn't have anything on iCloud? They're going to have anything mixed up? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Okay, well, and last bit of P, um, bit of news since we don't really talk about Star Wars often, but we do know that The Mandalorian season three is coming pretty soon. And Pedro Pascal was talking about his favorite things about this new season. He said that what he loves the most about season three is how much the world opens up in terms of Mandalore and Mandalorians. That means so many different facets of culture, politics, and rules and discoveries. Delicious doors are flying wide open. And I guess there were parts when he was looking through, when they were looking through the script and he's reaching out to like the writers and stuff like, are you serious? Based off of whatever he was reading and how hype he was about it. Mm. Now, Dove Cat that I don't care for Star Wars. Uh, I tried it. It was not my thing, but I do like the Mandalorian series. Like that's actually a good series. I'm excited about this season three, but I know how, how are, are you hype at all, Dovecat, about this? Because I know it's been a, it's been a little bit since we've had another uh, another season of the Mandalorian. Like, are you excited? Are you, uh, don't I don't care. I'm, I'm, I am excited only because um, one, Grogu is my life. So to see that little baby in there spinning in that chair kind of got me hyped to see the rest of the season. <laughs> but also, <laughs> also, I will say this is that um, following Mando since the very beginning, since Din Djarin, whatever you want to call him, following him from the very beginning, um, you've kind of seen him come out of his shell, not be so rigid, even showing his face um, and having to reconcile that with um, the lady who we make and the weapons and stuff. Um, and then being <coughs> met with other Mandalorians who show their faces proudly, takes off their helmet like it's no issue, like those types of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready to kind of see, I'm hoping we're going to get like politic, intrigue, like that type of stuff with the people of Mandalore, I think that's going to be lit. So I'm excited. Hopefully it won't let me down for the story. Um, Because if we being honest, those two episodes that were basically an intro to season three of the Mandalorian on Boba Fett, then I'm I'm excited to see what's next. Well, I just want you to know that as of our recording, you only have 10 days before it premieres on Disney plus because it drops on it drops on March the first. Ten days. <laughs> well, I can I can say is now. I hope that they continue expanding the universe, and I see that it's yep. it's comfortably moving moving away from the uh, the Skywalker solo, and realize hey, it's a really a big galaxy out there. There's so many different storylines that are not Skywalker solo centric, and mm-hmm. we're moving past Tatooine and other locations as well. And we're just going to big worlds like. Um, for the haters and bots that are upset about some of these characters that look differently, like, oh, a galaxy can look like multiple people or multiple humanoids. And we're expanding different kind of leadership roles post-generation, post post-empire, and vice versa. And we, it's good to see. It's good to see. So more than this Jedi-centric and other things as well going forward, that, hey, that's hard for people to reach out there. And this is, this is what's going on besides these. And we like that. People love to see more storylines. That's all we want. Yeah, I think that's why I, well, I speak for myself, why I liked Andor as much as I did, mm. because it created, it, it introduced a whole nother world of things that's going on that don't really revolve around the whole Skywalker thing. These are just regular people. <laughs> and I, I love that they did that. And I don't know, when is that next season coming for that? Because that's what I, I want to see. Cause. I feel like they've, they've started filming for that. I do want to say that the Star Wars universe, I, I feel like has been, they've done a really, really good job of trying to be diverse and kind of opening, in the, opening, opening that up 
um, for other people. And although some of the fans aren't too proud of it um, or care, well, I, ugh, that's neither here nor there. Um, I just think it's wild that people are racist in a world that doesn't exist. <laughs> you could be anything but, and you choosing to be right. a racist, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But with that being said, yes, I'm loving that it's so diverse. I'm loving it that we got black, brown, even, I don't even want to say yellow, but the Asian community, we have all of those people represented here. And I love that. And I like the fact that, now don't get me wrong. I know Luke and Dark Vader were your bread and butter for a really, really long time. I get it. And they were lit in their own way for their own time. But I feel like now we can expand outside of that. And um, I'm ready to kind of see it. Well, we will see. We're starting it up on March the 3rd. So if this is any indication of where things are going and what we can expect from Ahsoka and anything else that's coming, hopefully it's going to be great things. Yeah, I'm ready for that. I'm really ready for uh, Ahsoka. What's going on? Mm -hmm. I want to see what kind of training she's been up to since she... uh, let the Jedi Order and everything. I want to see how she changed. How, is she still a badass? Right. What is, what's going on? She's definitely old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Rosario oh, she's, Dawson she's, for she's, keeping the tech. She's seasoned. She's seasoned. Like, she, she's I'm seasoned. not saying like old, like decrepit, but she's an older, I guess, more <laughs> mature Ahsoka. So, yes, mm-hmm. I would love to see how she, that older version with the wisdom and knowledge that she has, how she's going to put a spin on that and what, like, what is, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I really wish we would have gotten more. That's what I hate about the first Star Wars is that some of this stuff that we got with like Ahsoka's character and how she was Padawan to Vader and how he wasn't this jackass all the time. I would love to have seen something like that back then. I would love to see it now with a DH Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she quote unquote, I would say humanoid, humanoid the size of Anakin and she's, she's seen what he came and the his whole arc and everything because Star Wars is about Anakin's life. The whole the movies him. and even the last three, it's him. It's literally his 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 arc. That's him and how his fall from grace and everything and his rise back up. And we want to see these other catams as well and people who've been affected by it. This is we all, like everybody has been affected by it and the order as well. And we want to see where this goes and everything and what they're still on. JB, to take it back to the Mandalorian, I know we have to move on, but do you think they're going to share in season three who rescued and saved Groku? I need for them to start acting like this is this needs to be the biggest secret ever. <laughs> this is something they should have talked about. Like, right, we should have been on this. Or even at the very latest season two, when we saw them little glimpses of things, just show us who saved this little thing. Like, it, it ain't no, just give us, give us that. That's not asking for a lot. It's not. Give us who saved this. Because it's it's getting on my nerves. It is getting on my nerves. If we don't know it by the second, the first half of this next season, I'm flipping the table. It's probably going to be a good We probably feel we're going to be underwhelmed. Yeah, I feel like Roku fell into something and fell into a ship and fell into something and then like end up like in the back of a cruiser and survived. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be something bit. very irritating. Like well, no one already... actually did it. It was a blast, and he just eh, it just went off the side. <laughs> didn't he say something to Ahsoka about somebody rescued him, but he couldn't remember who it was? Didn't he say that? I'm gonna just say my therapist has told me that sometimes the memories you have as kids are not accurate to what happened. He probably thought it was somebody, and it. He fell inside of R two D two, and he was just inside. Hey, oh, I'm in a trash can. But I just, I don't. I am tired of the mystery around this. 
it should not have been going on this long to find yeah. out who saved this thing. Exactly. Right. But that is it for our blurdy news. So homework. We all watched Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We're going to go around. We'll start with you, Ahmed. First Ooh. impression. When you walked out of the theater after seeing the whole movie and the two post-credit uh, scenes, okay. what was your initial reaction? Uh, it was, number one, Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer back a little hurting because they carried the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second thing was this was not a third Ant-Man. This was just like Captain America Civil War, where it wasn't a third film. It was just a jumping off point for everything else, where we're going to see an explosion of introduce this character, introduce character. This is this character's role. And because we're going to see Cassie with the Young Avengers, we're going to see Kang being another variant of Kang. And we are going to see, hey, what is going to be left of, you know, Hank and then also the other Ant-Man as well. And we got introduced in the motor. We're definitely going to aim eventually. And there there are a lot of things that I saw were, like, you know, like, okay, uh, an indigenous group, individual, uh, indigenous group of people being oppressed. We saw a young white woman being, um, you know, hey, trying to be, let's say helpful and everything, trying to be very liberal and helpful to people that are oppressed. You know, she was definitely in that college age, like trying to help people. And then I felt like it was, Scott was just like the, the stereotypical dad. He was like, I don't care what else is happening. I'm trying to save my daughter. I'm trying mm-hmm. to save my daughter. People are dying. Puppies are getting killed. I don't care. I'm here to save my daughter. Doesn't matter. I, I don't really care what's going on. I'm here to, I'm trying to, he was gone for five years. I'm trying to get those five years back. Okay, get your five years. I'm trying to build a relationship with your daughter. Like, dude, it's it's it's, it's okay. You were you're there, and it's the same thing too. Like we've seen that a superhero is like, I'm trying to have a normal life. I just want to spend time with my daughter. Realize you're you're a superhero. You're you have to look sometimes in the bigger picture, and that's what I took in. And I know that's a lot, but that's how I overfell like walking out to the movie and going into my car. That's how. I felt. All right, so Dovecat, where are you at? <laughs> Um. All right. So I agree with Ahmed in that Michelle Pfeiffer and um Kang they carried it, but to me it makes sense since both of them have spent the most time in the quantum realm. So if a film is taking place in the quantum realm, then it makes sense for these two to kind of be the leads per se because they know how to navigate it, right? Um. Let's see. I love Michelle. I love. I I love Michelle. Period. I've loved her since Catwoman, and. Sis be acting. I love her, right? Um, Jonathan Major's performance as the villain was chef's kiss. Like, I feel like for a long time, the MCU has been doing more so like almost like anti-heroes, not really true villains. Like, you can see what it is that they're like they're trying to accomplish. I felt that way with Killmonger. I felt that way with Thanos. I felt that way with Ultron. Like, they were bad. They were, I guess you could really call them villains. Um, but you could see, oh, the same with Namor. You can, you can, the way they went about it was kind of trash. But the reason why they wanted to do it, I get why they want to do it, right? But with this, he, I feel like he's probably being probably the truest villain, like a true villain that we've seen in the MCU in a very, very long time. And he kind of, um, he scared me a little bit. He scared me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm scared for what's to come. I'm, I'm scared for what's to come because if just that one variant had me kind of shook, I, I can't imagine the rest of them. So that was one thing. Um, what else? 
it really, um, it really, you're right. It really wasn't an Ant-Man film. It was a way more sci-fi than what I thought it was going to be, which is fine. Cause I enjoy sci-fi. I thought the quantum realm was pretty, how they looked at it. I mean, it's not as pretty as, um, the ancestral plane, which is my comparison for all things world building. Um, how they had the ancestral plane looking in what, um, in Black Panther, I, I, every other scene that is not on earth. I'm always comparing it to that one scene and how vibrant and beautiful it was. And it does. And I, and I compare everything to that. And until I get something else, it's going to be that. Um, I thought that Quantumanium was as pretty. Um, I like that. I like some of the characters. I laughed a little bit. I feel like it still has some of the, the elements of like an Ant-Man that we've gotten thus far. I think it was funny. Um, mixed in with some of the dramatic stuff. I liked all of that. Um, I love Scott Lang. Honestly, I didn't think he was going to make it. I thought for some reason that he wasn't going to make it out of the quantum realm and he was going to get sent somewhere else, but our boy made it back to Earth. Um, Hope Van Dyne, I see mm. what everybody was saying about they wish that we could have seen a little bit more of her. And I agree, but only because um, the parts that she was in, I felt like she was kind of, I don't know, like for example, when they were getting sucked into the quantum realm, everybody else is panicking. Mm-hmm. Hope was just like, well, you know what? It's about to happen. Let Bam. me ready when it do. Let's go. Scott, <laughs> he's flailing. Just you would have like, thought he didn't even have a suit. Honestly, I thought he didn't yeah. have a suit. I really felt like he didn't have a suit. Yeah. And it wasn't until Cassie was about to, they were about to get go splat that he he turned on the suit. But I was just like, Hope was forward thinking the whole time. She was just like, oh, this is about yeah. to be the problem. Let me go ahead and put on my suit. Um, I didn't like how she handled <laughs> yeah. her mom. I didn't like that. But their relationship, but their relationship is not really good, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't yeah, because I, she's been gone for so long, but I just didn't like, I didn't like that she was just so pressed to get answers as if she couldn't just appreciate the fact that her mom was trying to protect all of them from the foolishness that she had went through for the past 30 years. Um, Cassie, in some parts, annoyed me so bad. Oh, you mean Karen Page? Oh, I could see it. I could see it. I could see it. I could see it. I, 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 see it. I, it. I saw it on Thursday and I said, I said, basically no context. Because I always send her stuff. I don't tell her what I mean. I just send her a line. And in this case, I basically said that Cassie Lang reminded me of Karen Page from the Daredevil series. Because mm-hmm. she's so fucking annoying and she's trying to do more than she needs to all the fucking time. At the expense of other people. Right. And I was just like, there's nothing, there was nothing wrong with her wanting to help. I could appreciate that. Right. But it was almost just Mm -hmm. like, sis, you're not thinking. You're not. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the main thing that irritated me the most about Karen Page. It's the same thing that irritated me about Cassie Lang. She's not thinking like, yes, you are a superhero. Yes. As a superhero, some people feel called or feel led to help. Like the same thing can be said for Kate Bishop. There was this calling she felt like she had. To, this is what she wanted to do. She wanted to jump headfirst into this, right? And I can appreciate mm-hmm. that. But you got to use your brain. And she not. Like, there was a lot of times during the movie where she would do stuff and then think about it later. Like, when she broke into old girl's, like, cell. And she was just like, well, what's the plan? And Cassie was like, girl, I don't know. My, my only thing was getting you out. <laughs> She, yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. that's literally what she said. She was just like, oh, I ain't think about that. And that irritated me the most. And I guess they were just trying to play up that she was young. And I get it. Um, but I was like, girl, you got to think. You got to use, you use your head. That's, that's another thing, too. Like, these women, I want, when they're being written, I want them to kind of lean into some of our strengths. And that 
No, not all women be thinking ahead of time. But like in a situation like this, it's important that you you're not impulsive about some of these decisions that you are about to make because it could literally be life or death. And I just wish that they in a place that you've never been. Exactly. And I just I just kind of wish I just kind of wish that they kind of she would have hadn't been so damn dumb. Um, let's see what else. Kang was terrifying. Um, I mean, throughout the whole thing, I was scared of him. I'm trying to think what else. Um. Um, Scott, I said my my piece about Scott. Um, and Hope, I wish there was more of them together. Um, the fact that, all right, so I know it's Ant Man and the Wasp, right? So we know mm-hmm. from the second film that I guess they're supposedly together, right? Mm-hmm. But it don't feel like they're together. It don't. It don't feel like a husband. Well, not a husband. I'm gonna say a part. It's a partner duo, <laughs> right? But like you know how like Hank and Janet like they don't have the relationship. Huh? Yeah. It's because they don't have any chemistry. And it was just they don't. like that's it. They don't. That's maybe that's exactly what it is. I that's exactly what it is. Cause I was just like, y'all want me to believe that they love each other, but I don't see any of that until the very end where Hope comes back to save him. And I'm just like, so they're more than just friends, is what y'all telling me. You hinted at it in the second one, you hinted at it at <laughs> endgame, but now you're telling me that they're really, really together because he's just like, I love you, Hope. I love you, Scott Lane. Like I'm just like, huh? That was off to me, probably because we haven't been seeing it yeah. and they haven't really played up to each other. Um, I'm trying to see what else. The end credit scenes, that one with Loki had my, I, don't, I wasn't too interested in the um, Counselor Kings. Like it was like, like interesting to see them, but I'm like, mm, I'm not really excited about that because I don't, they didn't really give me anything. But Loki, it's got me hyped for season two because it, then it also proves that I guess Jonathan Majors is also going to be in season two because if you have, Loki and you have um Morbius, whatever his name is, you have them together. Mm-hmm. We know they're in Loki the, the the TV show. I'm assuming that we're gonna see Jonathan Majors in season two as well. But I was I was hyped and also the fear that Loki had was the fear that I felt like everybody should have when they're thinking about or trying to to even try to take Kang down. Loki looked legit scared. Janet looked legit scared. Everybody else, they weren't scared enough for me. But that's it. That's all See, I got. I I made some notes. First note <laughs> was Karen Page, Cassie Lang. Just drawing it. the parallel there. Second note, Hope needed to be smacked by Janet. A couple times. She needed to. There was the moment when they were walking and she was like, Hope, just trust me. She said, you need to give me a reason to trust you. And she like, turned she around. I was literally like... Just take her down right there. Smack I her like, into you don't want nothing. Get and leave her there. <laughs> leave her in the quantum room because she's she trying your patience. <laughs> that was a parent. That was a parental moment right there. That was a parental moment that was missed. Like oh, no yes. matter what, I'm still your mother. I'm still your exactly. mother. No matter what. I don't want to ever hear the words dad, mom, and Cassie again. Ugh. Or because sc- Cassie screaming dad 50 times through that movie was driving me insane. I was like, I know that she yeah. shouldn't be calling her many other things because that's your daddy. But girl, there's got to be another way that you can get his attention because screaming dad all the time drove you know me insane. It's funny that you say that. I just want to interrupt just a little bit. My son was like, why do they keep saying let's go? Let's go. Like what? <laughs> they kept saying that. He could not get over that. Yeah, you know, that got do. me. Now I had two questions I wrote down. Okay, how the how the hell did they get out? 
that's a really good question. Um, it makes no sense it, to me how they got up because the thing was blown up. Well, he was sucked into the thing. It looked like it wasn't working anymore. But Cassie just got on her computer, used the location thing that they had talked about to find them. But how did they open up a portal to get them out? I don't know. And, and it seemed like they knew know. it was going to happen because I was wondering the whole time, why are y'all not panicking that the portal to get out of here is closed? They just sitting there like, oh, they're back. This was cool. No. Because yeah, you know what? Afterwards, they were hugging and embracing like, hey, we're stuck here. We're going to live our life. And they were content. I thought they were content of like, okay. We're going to be together in this universe in the quantum world. We don't know how long it lasts. And again, they were in the quantum world. Like he said, Scott said, we could be here five minutes, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 20 minutes in the real world. And we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we honestly didn't know. But then it's like, let's go home. I'm like, yeah. What it opened up. He's like, like, let's go home. Like, I'm like, what, like, what? what? Happened? That bothered and, me. And, and, and why did that thing swirl up like it was Dr. Uh, Dr. Strange doing the whole little hand thing? That's what I saw too. I was like. So we really doing this? We're really doing this. Yeah, there's no Spider Man. Yeah. And then my, Man, was- my, my other question is this, and it's kind of piggybacking off of what you said, Dovecat. You said Loki looked terrified, mm-hmm. right? Why? Yep. Because in my mind, the only version of Kang that he's ever seen was He Who Remains, who was just chilling at a desk. That man did nothing to make someone scared. He he didn't come off threatening. So that leads me to think that something is going to happen when it picks up in season two with him already being somewhere that Kang is already ruling. That's going to lead to that fear because nothing in Loki as it relates to He Who Remains should have scared him like that. I'll say I'll say this um, to your point, and I had one more thing that I forgot about. And I'll come back to after this, <laughs> but I was thinking back to Loki, the end, right? And he who remains was basically kind of breaking down all the kings or whatever that happened. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is why I think he's scared, right? What you're, it could be what you're saying is probably true, but also I felt like Loki kind of bought into. Believed um, he who remains when he was talking about that more worse is coming if you kill me. And I think that he believed that um, even more so when homegirl put him back and he went back to the TVA that wasn't his. And he saw that it wasn't the TVA that he was in. And he saw that it was that Kang. I think it freaked him out because I think I think he believed him from the very beginning. It was um, Sylvie who didn't believe. And I think she just believed lying. too, but she didn't care. I don't think Maybe she, she didn't believe. Uh, I think because when you rewatch it, her pain is why she killed him. I don't think it was because she didn't believe him. She was upset that she her life went the way that it did, and in her mind, he was the reason. So, and had they not been trying to, she hadn't been on the run trying to escape these people, she wouldn't have had to go through all that stuff. So even he could have said everything under the sun. I think she believed him, and I knew she knew that if Loki believed him, she was she was confirmed that she should believe him. But it's one of those things where people allow their hurt and their pain to cloud their judgment, and she was willing to deal with what any consequence that came if it meant that she was. You know how people say it all the time. They're like, they try to get back at someone hoping that that getting back at someone is going to make them feel better. Right. Is that justifiable though? Is that really justifiable to happen? Mm -hmm. Well, she had already said, she had already said that when he was talking about the chaos or whatever, or the 
the chaos, the multiverse, whatever, she had basically had already said, it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be chaotic. Nothing is supposed to be this. So you're right. She did probably, she probably did believe him, but didn't care. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know what, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But um, I think I have another question too. Now that I'm thinking about Loki, did they ever say why they were trying to prune Sylvie? I think they were just trying to prune her just because she was going to be another, is another variant out there that, that didn't fit into the perfect timeline that he who remains was trying to create. Mm-hmm. And she was the only one that somehow managed to get away. Okay. okay. I mean, he already had the script. He knew where everything was going to happen anyway. So he knew that they probably, they weren't going to be able to kill her, but you know, I think the goal was to do their best to try to stop it. If it could, I suppose. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, well, with, with, with him dying, by the ants because he was killed by the ants. Did that variant already knew that he was going to die that way? Because him, because even the fight scenes where he was literally plucking the wall, you know, he was plucking Jan, he was plucking everybody. Like, hey, come on, guys, you know, you guys can't. Mm-hmm. I've seen these, like you said, I see these revolutions. This is not my first rodeo when it comes to this. He knows what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. did we expect that? Did we expect that? But again, the King Council's like, hey, I wish I would have killed him. This is just one variant, honestly. So, <coughs> what can we do? What, yeah, what, that's what, that's going to be really interesting because I I do feel like they're going to st- uh, eventually lean into the whole Nathaniel Richards thing too, um, as it relates to King. Oh, and ooh, I'm glad you- yeah, I mean, I got a question for you. Me and yes. JB have discussed it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to cast Reed Richards as a black man, a white man, or do you think he's going to be somebody who's racially ambiguous to kind of make it make sense that um, Nathaniel Richards would be a descendant of him? But also a variant of Kane. Like, what do you do? You think they would cast not who, but uh, do you honestly, think race wise? He he's going to be racially ambiguous. I feel that the whole cast it will be racially ambiguous. Ambiguous, honestly, they're going to have a, because even like people say, oh, yeah, why is the cast? Like, Come on, you had uh, Jessica Alba as Sue Storm, but she's racially ambiguous as well. You know what? Well, well she's passing for white, but she lacks the correction. She's Latino, non-white. Jessica, white. don't call me Latina. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like I think that, and also this is an opportunity to potentially, uh, because there's another variant of Kang that kind of, and I looked it up as well with Doctor Doom. So you can have a racially ambiguous Doctor Doom, or even a black Doctor Doom as well, mm-hmm. because this is a perfect opportunity. Because as when it comes to villains and the uh, the whole Omega level in the MCU that all in platform, you can introduce Kang, but also introduce Doctor Doom as well. And see at least variants of Laveria as well, what's going forward. And with Kang, this is an opportunity, like you said, that could potentially go there. And I, I feel that it's going to be racial and big. I feel like this cast will be smooth enough where it, it, it feels everybody's power when it comes to that. Yeah, I've been, I, I was letting uh, Dovecat know, was it maybe like two, three weeks ago, I read the, the Young Avengers uh, comic, one of the more recent ones where yeah. it revolved a lot around Nathaniel Richards coming back in time to try to get the Avengers to help him to stop Kang because he didn't want to become that version of Kang. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, we've all, so far, we've only seen adult kings but mm-hmm. that means that there's probably going to be a child king coming at some point in time as this nathaniel richards and how will they factor this into everything is are we going to expect to see something like that by the time the king dynasty even comes out i don't i don't know um, but it, it came to mind watching the council of kings and seeing all of those there and 
Huh. Just like they, I was watching the breakdown on New Rock Stars, and there was a, um, they had a scene from Loki where you're looking at the void, and they have all these things that have been pruned, like buildings and everything. And there was one building that was basically the old Avengers Tower, but it was, mm-hmm. um, it was relabeled basically Kang. It was Q E N G, which is actually a Kang variant as well. And he was actually at the Council of Kings in that final sequence. Like he was standing oh, wow. out in the middle of the arena because that character, that particular king is known for being like a suit, like a businessman. And they, um, Evie Ervos zoomed in and was like, this is him right there. Like you can see the full suit on. And if they're doing that, you know, they've already been talking in the present day MCU about how someone has bought the Avengers Tower. Because remember, um, or maybe that was the comic. Well, either way, they were they bought the Avengers Tower, so that's how certain technology was being distributed out that should not have been going anywhere. And it was because there's this been this variant of Kang that's already been existing in the present that's already doing some of these things. So we might start seeing Kangs pop up everywhere, and not just in the ones that feel like he should belong there. <laughs> So it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting, and then you could see so much of the the rings and the the round things that Kang had, like the the ten rings and the bangles, that how those things operate, and seeing how those things when he tried to get the ship to come up out of the ground, and they were, they were the same language up there and everything. So it's I, I'm I'm very very interested in seeing the type of impact Jonathan Majors is about to have on the MCU as Kang. I also would love to know what his pockets are going to look like because if they're using yeah. him in everything, he's about to get paid. He get paid. Yeah, he's about, brother's about to get paid. He better be paid and everything. I feel like he's him and his partner uh, are about to live, live very well. Mm-hmm. Well, Yeah, so I, I'm... Yeah. I forgot about one detail that I thought was kind of pointless. Funny, but pointless. They really did... Um, Modoc was at a disadvantage. Yeah. I meant to bring. I meant to write a note yeah. for him. Yeah, I feel like it was. It was. I felt like it was pointless, especially at the end how he it ended him. I hated that. Um, I will say this though. I every time he came on screen, he looked so stupid. I laughed. Mm-hmm. And like those legs. Oh my god, I said, those <laughs> baby legs. Oh god, I laughed. Baby legs. I laughed. Yeah. Um, and the hand, did the hand with everything when he rubbed, caressed uh, Scott <laughs> That was I died I'm was, sitting over here like listening to him talking about something. You've always been a brother to me. I frowned up just like everybody else <laughs> seeing the screen. Like, what? Like, he did what happened? My, my look was Scott's look. We had the same look. But also, I will say, though, that he was already losing his mind in um, Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man because the film particles were messing with it. And they said that. They were like, it's messing with your head, dog. Whatever you're doing, it's messing with your head. Which we know that's what happens when you are in the suit for too long. Um shrinking down doing all that other good stuff but yeah I just but then he didn't go ahead and tell us what's going on with hope and yeah. and scott because they get in the suit just to go eat lunch and drink beer right yeah. i'll tell you what though honestly <laughs> they thought that cassie was gonna do what yelena did for um the black widow film absolutely not she didn't did not did not i'm not excited absolutely. to see her um at all but um, I like how they keep building these characters for the Young Avengers. I, I know, I feel it in my bones that White Vision is coming back. He's going to be leading them. And we've are, I think we got most of them. Kate Bishop for Reebok, for sure. And we got, what's her name? Hornet's Nest. What's her name? What's, Cassie? what's her name? Not you calling her Hornet's Nest. 
I don't even know uh, where um, superhero like name supposed to be. Stinger. Yeah, something like that. Stinger, some kind of crazy. Stinger. Hornet mm-hmm. wasp was better. Hornetness. Hornet. No. So you made her a place rather than a thing. Well, she get like on my she's nerves. Not a heap. So she can go sit in the hornet's nest because she get on my damn nerves. I don't, she gonna have to do a lot more to grow on me. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, because we got we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We got potentially eight young Avengers because we have uh, Wanda's kids, uh, young, uh, uh, Miss America, and everything. And then uh, Elijah. Yeah, we got kids, Elijah. Elijah as well. He's gonna he's gonna get a transfusion. He's gonna get that as well. And I got we'll, a feeling. We'll I could even see. I can even see a Yoki, uh, Loki variant as well being being there as well, possibly. So I got a and, feeling. And we'll see. I got a feeling, and I could be wrong. This is one of my theories for the new Captain America movie. Since they have um, Nathaniel, not Nathaniel. What's um, what's his name? The granddaddy. Who? Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah. Isaiah. We already know that Isaiah is coming back. He will be in this film. So if they're bringing him back, more than likely they're going to bring Elijah. I would not be surprised if they introduce. A patriot, since they've already been introducing, and it makes the most sense for him to come right then. So, oh yeah, that's um, gonna do it. And they, and even and even that Falcon, he'll be the second Falcon. The other, uh, mm-hmm, the yeah, Latino, uh, yeah, Latino, yeah, no, diversity. No, he's gonna be the uh, second sidekick. He'll be the the new Falcon as well for that position. And, I'm gonna be real annoyed if they both flying oh, together. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like. I, as weird as that sounds, I'm like, I like the dynamic of you being able to see characters that are distinctly different and me looking over, like, get, just fly a little lower. Like, why are you up here with me? <laughs> <laughs> you need to find something else to do. <laughs> get some business about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Okay, you mentioned this. Um, Kang, I think Jonathan Majors may have forgotten that he was filming the MCU film and not Creed 3. Because when he started beating Scott's ass at the end, like that first initial kick, literally, I felt like I felt it in my seat. (laughs) Then when he started fighting, like literally he was fighting him like a boxer. And I'm sitting there and I was like, yo, hold on, let let Scott breathe for a minute. He need a moment. Oh my God. This ain't fair. This ain't fair right now. (laughs) I'm so glad we got him fighting, um, Scott fighting. Um, And it felt, it felt, felt like a dire situation like it felt the mm-hmm. stakes were high mm-hmm. i could feel it, it ooh, i could feel it, I could yeah. feel it. Yeah. scott found that um mediocre like white man strength where he's like yes i'm gonna get the offer against <laughs> me but i'm still gonna like muscle through it because i gotta save my i'm not trying to win but i'm trying to muck it up as best i can so you will you won't win as well so we're both gonna lose and it felt like Rocky too at one point. Like, sir, you're clearly outmatched. Why are you? Mm-hmm. You're lucky he doesn't zap you, even though he should have done that. But he wanted to stomp your ass. He really wanted, like, hey, you want to get this ass whooping, like, like you deserve. Yeah, but then he couldn't anymore. The suit was done. Yeah, so that was it. He was, and, but there were moments where Kang looked at him and like grinned, like, "You just won't get me again. Like, this is about to be fun." <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> And Kang, and Kang was probably Kang was like, "Yo, I haven't whooped anybody's ass in like a thousand years. Let me just do let's, this do this. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, I forgot. I didn't say this. I like the look of Kang's outfit. I don't know what type of material they used to make it look like that. I loved the way it looked, and it did not take away from anything. I even love when his shield came and how his eyes kind of turned blue. I would love to know the technology behind that." To some of this stuff, yeah, I was, 
I, I love that too. I love that. But then I, I was staring because, you know, I watched it two times. Second time I watched it, I was staring at the suit trying to figure out when it was CGI and when it wasn't. Yeah, it moved. <laughs> because there, were moments, there was one scene like EV uh, highlighted in the breakdown where he was like when uh, Kane went down and just started fucking shit up. When he shot his blast, they said when you he if you watch his suit, it actually prepares for the blast. Like the sleeves slide up to the top. Like they, there was so many small intricacies there that they thought about when it came to his suit. And one of the yeah. things outside of, you know, Kane beating Scott's ass the way that he did, one of the things that also made him terrifying was that you could see he was trying so hard to keep his anger in at moments. Like he would be saying something. You could see like his face gritting up a little bit. He's trying to stay calm. Like when he first started fussing at Janet, like, girl, get your ass in the ship so we can go. See, he, like he was like, like, okay. But when he finally let yeah. it out, it was like, oh, so this yeah. is why. Yeah. It's almost like you knew how bad it would have gotten if you would have let yourself go the way you wanted to let yourself go. Are we do we are we thinking that he had like a thing for her? No, they tried they try to play it off because there's like, yeah, we had a we've been in there thirty years and he was my friend. Like and then mm-hmm. you know they were sitting in that moment where they're sitting at the fire and it could have been that way, but it was still that quote unquote black variant, black male variant and a white woman. You know, people didn't want. I don't think they tested right. I don't think they tested. Well Not that. that. <laughs> I think maybe he had a thing. If you know, for if her. you know what I meant. Because I didn't understand the like trying to get her to come is what I didn't understand. I was just like, why are you pressed? Like to me, he's like the type of person he only gonna ask you one time. If you say no, all right, well then you can stay here. And um, I didn't get that. I was just like, why he keep wanting her to come? And she is like, no, I don't. I think it was intentional. I think he was doing that. Like, I, I think he was almost showing that Kang is a conqueror, but he also is a man of his word. Oh, well. Like, because because he had very, he told her, like, look, we're going to get home. I am going. And he promised her that the first time they, when they finally talked about it, he promised her, I will get you home. Hope will open the door and you'll be there. And that's what he kept repeating over and over. And I think he almost felt indebted to her because she's the only reason why he was able to survive as long as he did. It just, it, but like you said, it was almost like, but he gave everybody a lot of shots. Like, I'm not going to tell you, Scott, that I need for you to do this. And you talk back to me. Look, I'm choking your daughter right now. You got a second to make a decision. Or just yeah. daughter's not gonna make. I'm not gonna sit here and go back. But he did that with every person. He had conversation with every person yeah. to try to give specific chances. This is what it is. And you know, you, you, mm-hmm. know, you know who did that same thing? Namor. Namor did the same thing as well. Like, hey, I'm a reason with you, please. Before I'm very violent, like we we don't want this to escalate. Let's do this properly. And a lot of villains actually have done this. Not just like mm-hmm. you go ahead and okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Namor was no, very like. Say- you help me or I will kill you and all of your people. And you do it like, okay, so now you have to bury your mother and you're the queen now. And I'm going to go back. But I'll come back again. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> done with y'all. I'm going to let you. I'm going to be nice and allow you to grieve. And then I'm going to come back and fuck the rest of this up. But this is all your fault because I told you what I wanted you to do. <laughs> right. And, and it wasn't it wasn't the screaming voice. It wasn't the screaming like super villain like you know like the whole Joker's like hey I'm a maniac and everything I'm psychotic. No, it was like a very calm tone. Like hey, know, yes, I'm it's the voice that I'm sure Dovecat is is very familiar with. That parent voice where you're like, look, I'm really mad. I'm gonna talk to you very calmly, 
And it's going to be that type of calm that should strike fear in you. Because if I don't talk like this anymore, then you might not, you will need some icy hot for your butt when I'm done. It's funny that you say that because I sent you, I don't even know if you saw it, but I sent you that clip on TikTok where he talks about kind of his process for making Kang. And he was like, when you have somebody like talking slow, talking deep, that was intentional. He was just like, because if you have a man like Kang, who's been around forever in a day and he knows how time operates, he knows he has plenty of it. There's no need to talk fast. There's no need to rush. I'm going to get my point across. And, And he says that. And I just thought that was interesting. And I always think, I was like, if he would have dropped Janet off, would he have dropped Janet off and then conquered 616? Well, you know, he promised her that he wouldn't because she asked her, she said, he was like, I'm going to take you home. And she said, and then what? He was like, what are you going to do? No, she said, are you going to conquer? the? um, How many worlds are going to conquer? And his response to her was not yours. So he basically like, this is my gift to you for helping me. I'm going to help you get home and I won't kill everyone in your universe. And she was like, nah, I'm going to just throw these things up here and we're going to blow up the whole thing. You know, a part I did not particularly care for when um, Scott went inside of the little thing and we saw all the Scots popping out and everything. Uh, I got the need for it, but at the same time, I don't feel like it had the type of impact that I would have expected some type of sequence like that to have because it got irritating. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and it was it was just a lot. And then it was like it also showed that there was a Scott's mental is pretty weak compared to someone like Hope. Because Hope came in, yeah. all these wasps are popping out. Jan- Janet said, don't worry about them. Those are just possibilities. And Hope never once was concerned about anything else around her. She was on her mission. Scott was struggling from the moment yeah. he saw himself for the first time and only found peace when they connected. Well, Scott Scott has always been like that because even like we know Scott was when it comes to level of Avengers of seriousness, Scott is the comic relief, but mm-hmm. you know, like Scott is that that guy like, oh my goodness, like Scott, we need you to be serious, we need you to be focused. This needs to happen. But Scott unfortunately has only been focused about himself or protecting his daughter or his family. So that that's Scott's kind of train of thought when it comes to heroism mm-hmm. and bring that point of this is the this is the bigger picture. Even get him to be Avenger, like he had to like ask Captain America, like, hey, Captain America asked him. Like he was like, oh, well, Captain America, he's a follower. I hate to say it. Scott is a follower. I never, I personally have not seen a film where Scott has been like, hey, I have to take care and save some other people, not just mm-hmm. the little guy, but hey, help the bigger people. Even in his book, it was like kind of selfishness about him. And I hate to mm-hmm. say about Scott because he's fun loving and he's the, he's the cool Chris, but that's how Scott I mean, it's the same man who was listening to his own book. There's a lot of selfishness and yeah. narcissism in this one character. I will say that the cast, not the cast, but his so-called family knew him well enough not to tell him that they had been supporting him since the very beginning. Like I thought that was cute. Because when um, they were having that moment with Hank and Hank quoted the book and he was just like, you read my book because this whole time Hank had him thinking that no, I didn't read your stupid book. All of them were like that. And I just thought I, that little tidbit I like because it was just like, even though Hank is a, a hard ass and he always gives Scott a hard time for not thinking or for whatever, that no matter what he was supportive of whatever he was doing and um, probably read that book in secret or in private. I don't know. That little tidbit I like, but you're right. Um, Scott is selfish. Um, he is kind of, fo- the only thing that, he, you're right, the only thing that he really cared about is Cassie and maybe now Hope. And um, those things were threatening. He kind of had to step up. 
He didn't have the help of nobody else. So question for both of y'all, as we get closer to the end of this, do we think that we've seen the last of that Kang? Yeah. Because EV kind of talks like there's a possibility that he's just in there, but not dead. Mm. I mean, they did say, I'm sorry, when the Council of Kings, they asked, they were just like, he was just like, are you sure he's dead? And Homeboy was just like, yeah, I wouldn't have said it if he won't. And now that you said that, because at first I was just like, yeah, he probably gone. But the fact that old boy kind of questioned it, kind of was like, hmm, maybe he not. Maybe he really is just hiding out. Yeah, because it to me, it seems those Kangs, which is even more bizarre, the entire council of Kangs was terrified of that one King. They were working to exile yeah, this uh, one yeah, King. Yeah, why would they exile? Because he didn't follow the rules. He was like, hey, I'm different. Is that different? And he, and he was the one in. that was willing to go out and take them out. His goal, because he, he felt like they were playing with the multiverse. He's like, nah, you're doing too much. I'm about to take y'all out. Like he was, it, it goes back to he who remains. He who remains said, if you if I die, then you're going to unleash worse versions of me. And I think that he probably was the worst because he was the most selfish of all of them. <laughs> like he, he was willing to take out all of them just for the sake of doing it. The the joy he got from killing other kings, not even other just worlds, just he wanted to take out the king. So I'm like, for them to have worked together just to exile one almost makes me feel like, okay, this one terrified them enough to try to get rid of them. So what if they, he ends up coming back and do we get a more upset one that's if he in there, I'm I'm thinking this is like bad theory time. Oh god. But like you in there, like who's to say that being in this thing doesn't make it so that he actually doesn't need a machine anymore to travel through time. Like he actually can just do, <laughs> depending on how long he's actually in there. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that they were willing to go to those lengths to try to exile one and then now suddenly feel, oh, we have freedom to do everything we want to do now. This one cane was keeping everybody in check. Yeah, because because even um in that in that monologue where in in Loki, he was talking about the whole cane bears like they're fighting. I'm just glad the kings were actually organized because at one point they, they had a council before and working in peace and harmony. And then the selfishness came. And I think this one is the one that you said that might be the king. King of King of Kings, and, <laughs> <laughs> and even might be the King Prime because there has to be like a Prime version of King, and mm-hmm. I feel like that goes back to who's the origin one of uh, Nathaniel Richards, mm-hmm. and is that's really who this person is who can probably put everything together? And there's there's a, there's a leadership in the column of this, what's going on, and I really feel mm-hmm. that might be that. So we'll see. We, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was hoping that they would have done more to try to show how these. This technology was truly linked to like the Ten Rings and everything. Or maybe what we were seeing was when they saw that beacon, maybe that beacon was actually Modoc trying to track. Because, you know, he found them through the machine that they made because he was tracking them just like they were trying to figure out things there. What if, you know, Shang-Chi using the rings was activating the same thing that he was using on his end to try to find things out? Right. I don't know, yeah. but they didn't really yeah. give us enough yeah. to be able to play off that to see if that was even what was happening. Because yeah, yeah. Modoc could come back. You never know. AIM could find have the same technology to find that as well, and they could revive him. And even though I'm not a big fan of him, like not being comic uh, comic accurate, you know, with the whole ball head and the baby legs, but mm-hmm. 
they can all come back. They all can come back in some form or fashion. The aim is still there, and we can see where it goes. I can. I do want to also go back to what Caleb said about him being the comic psychiatrist. I love how when he was mad and going through the process of coming back in and out of the blue face and his eyes, you notice how his eyes turned blue and changed yep. back and you know he was going through that. So that was a really good actually tracker version of it. And even the whole chair, like his throne that, that can possibly go through time as well. And we'll, we'll probably see that. That's probably not the last time we're going to probably see that in other versions. I wonder how each throne will be different going mm-hmm. forward as well. It's like, I'm think, sure there are different variants of it. Yeah. And I think it's something else that I'm glad that they helped to explain in, in the movie was that he didn't have any of these powers until the suit was on. But it made me wonder, because if you go back to He Who Remains, He Who Remains didn't have on a suit like that. But He Who Remains could like, he was he could move really fast. He was actually teleporting and all this other stuff. So it kind of lends itself for us to believe that we're going to see a lot of different types of Kings and the abilities that those specific Kings come with, because I had completely forgotten that he who remains could do the stuff that he was doing. And so I watched that episode because soon they went like the little elevator thing. And the whole time they were in the elevator thing, Sylvie was trying to kill him. And he was like moving from in front of her to laying down in the back and going over where, and they just like, okay, how are we not able to get him? And I think they tried to play off of the fact that since he knew how things were going to play out, he was already expecting it, but that doesn't explain the fast movement. So I'm, I'm wondering, since we know we are going to get so many different ones, what type of abilities come with them? Yeah, I don't know. But is he, is him, him, is he, is he really him? Is this variant him? That's what you right. just said. Mm-hmm. I think he is. We'll see. We're going to see. So it's going to be interesting how the rest of the films that come out in this phase play out, how they're going to connect to this, if at all. Um, because I just don't, there's a part of me that doesn't feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is really going to connect to this at all, but maybe there'll be a post scene. I do no. want to go on record and say I am happy that for the first time in, I can't even remember, we got two post credit scenes that mattered. Yeah. Because yeah. I was getting so sick yeah. of sitting yeah. through <laughs> looking at all these fonts slide down this screen only for me to see some stupid crap at the end. Like it had gotten to a point where I just started researching the post credit scenes beforehand. Like, do I need to watch both of these? I don't want to know what is in it. Just let me know. Do I need to stay until at the end of the post credit scenes? This yeah. was the first time we got one in a long time that both of them were actually relevant to the overall story. They played in my face entirely too many times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, does anyone have any closing remarks about the movie before we close this all out? I am excited about where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, Kang is scary. And I think that in more films, I think we're going to get an idea about how scary he really is. Um, and I'm ready. I'm ready. This, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this Kang will kind of set himself up as one of the top Marvel villains, mm-hmm. you know, compared because we had Ultron wasn't done just. Um, He's coming back. Thanos was Thanos as well. Yeah, Thanos as well and everything. But I felt Kang will probably want to be the top villains when it comes like Avengers level villains because you know you got like you said Ultron, uh, uh, you know, Thanos. You got Doctor Doom, but I really think Kang will be that person that really kind of set himself up because of the acting as well. Mm-hmm. And you can see this villain who's actually human size. He's not like over Titan, like size or like empowering that, hey, this person can be handled and that we can see in the future. I'm looking forward to it, honestly. It, was, it wasn't the best movie, but it was a great jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel it, it was, was a good, good point to jump off from. 
It was a good mm-hmm. springboard. It was just like, like I said before, it was just like Captain America Civil War where everything springboard off that. So. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be one of those movies that will be a lot like when you go back and watch Age of Ultron after some years have passed and mm-hmm. you have a little bit more of an appreciation of what they were trying to do. Yes. Because see what the events, what, what spun off exactly. from that. Because when you go back to Age of Ultron, when I first watched it, I was like, mm, it's okay. But then when you see that all the characters that spun off from that, the consequences from that and how it impacted. I mean, we would have never gotten Civil War had it not been for Age of Ultron because that's what set off the Sokovia Accords and everything. So it was just so many things that came from that. And I think that this movie, as it is right now, being the starting point, just feels like, Huh. Not terrible, not amazing. Yeah. Just like I was telling, um, I mean, I, you know, I send you my rankings. Either I'm in a wheelchair, I'm running, or whatever. And I was walking. <laughs> I was just walking. So, and I feel like when time passes and we start to see the consequences of what took place in this, we'll go back and because you know Marvel's good at you go back and watch something old and then you start seeing things that they hinted at that didn't make sense then. We didn't even know it was something we should be paying attention to. And then we see something later and like, oh shit, they did mention that then, or this was said here. So I think people will probably enjoy it more over time, but it definitely ranks very mid-ish. I'm giving like a six and a half, close to seven, maybe like a thing. I was telling my husband earlier, I was just like, um, that Marvel does a really, really good job of kind of giving us breadcrumbs. And like, they may not come right out and say it. We're going to still eat. <laughs> but like later, it'll be like, they said that in Ant-Man and Quantumanium. So it's like, I don't know. This movie, mm-hmm. I felt like was good for that. Um, I'm excited to see where we're going. And um, like I said, I can't wait. Yeah. Did y'all no. remember in the first five, five, five amendments of the movie, everybody was saying quantum, like literally saying in every sentence. So like, we're trying to go to like, And it was like, are y'all trying to take shots? Just say it. Like, yeah, it was like overkill. Every, yeah, we're just doing them up. I, that just made me get mad at Cassie all over again. So I'm going <laughs> to just go back in my bubble because oh, ooh, I, do, I do got I do got something to point. I, uh, I want to ask you this, folks. So... If they do bring the Young Avengers in, who's going to be the smartest chick in the room? Because they're going to have a lot of intelligent women mm-hmm. and young women, like, and they're going to bring everybody in this room. And that who's going to be trying to be the alpha of the Young that, Avengers? That'll be very interesting to see because, huh? Not it, it'll probably feel like when, when Bruce Banner <laughs> and um, and Tony Stark first kind of collided yeah. as far as you know knowledge goes. But uh, Cassie, I mean, Cassie's smart. She's dumb. She doesn't think things through. But she's intelligent for her to have been able to learn as much as she did in the five years when no one was around. That's true. Um, I mean, Riri should be the smartest one. Uh, Don't get me started, because we talked about how Riri is. And I hate to bring this up, and I don't want to be that person, but bringing this up, and this goes back to our conversation. Riri, I feel that because of Chadwick's untimely demise, she was aged up and probably pushed up as well, because I feel like she was less than like She's a very intelligent person. But I felt that she was aged up. I felt like she should have been 15 and be like, damn, you're a 15 year old MIT or 16. Like, you are literally a prodigy. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in this movie, because they're pushing more of it, she's just a really, really intelligent girl and not a prodigy. And I felt mm-hmm. they kind of diminished that Shy Town role. But we will see how they flip it back in her own kind of own project as well. Yeah, she should have been like the they, same age as like Miss Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think she. I, I will see. But there's rumor that oh, we're going to yeah. be getting Ironheart this year. 
There are rumors that Marvel is going to condense their release schedule for TV shows to only being two series releasing this year. Loki and mm-hmm. um, okay. what was the other one I sent you? Okay. Yeah. Loki, are they giving? Um, are they giving? Are they giving? D, are they get? I'm sorry. Are they giving? Like, um, Star Wars time to yeah. Star Wars time to cook as well because I feel like they're trying to give space for everyone as well. Like. We got we got actually um, Disney content. We actually have Star mm-hmm. Wars content, and we have Marvel content. We're gonna give everybody time and space because we're not locked now. Lockdown. When we're locked, I'm like, I need y'all to feed me every week. I need we right. need something going forward. But mm-hmm. I, I think that it. they also realized that they were trying to do much too much at one time. Yeah. Like it was starting to feel like, oh, we're just trying to push out a lot of content. But then they started seeing that the reception to that content wasn't as positive as they were hoping. And I think that's kind of impacted yeah. things. But like, because I would say, whew, I mean, we we got She-Hulk. They and did a disservice to her. They did. Yeah, they they did. did a disservice to her. They did great to me. They did great with Werewolf by Night. I thought that was a good mature film and I like how it was filmed and everything like that, but it doesn't feel as though it's truly going to be integrated into the overall, you know, goal of what MCU is trying to do. Um, all I know is they need to speed up the production for blade. Cause why are we still waiting for this movie? Well, blame it on I the didn't have a new director. Before. Yeah. I yeah, think they, they have, have a new director. Okay. And there's rumor. Well, I do know that Kevin Feige did say that Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R, so I do have hope that that means that Blade might be rated R as well. Okay. Um, will it be a goofy rated R or like a blood glory rated R? Or I'm both. hoping it's going to be a blood gory. Yeah. I, I don't want... Because Blade had funny moments that didn't feel like they were intended to be funny, but don't come through here trying to turn this into a comedy. Let Blade fuck some shit up with all mm-hmm. the blood that he needs and... Let somebody else be funny, but don't let it be him. It's okay for it. I mean, Werewolf by Night showed that you didn't need the humor. Mm-hmm. You didn't need the moments. humor for it. I know, mm-hmm. but it wasn't so integral to the story. You know, I don't want them. Marvel can get a little too carried away sometimes with the humor where it starts to feel like it's starting to take over or, you know, it's that a part of that making something still feel light. Like they think mm-hmm. that in order for something to feel light, it has to be fun. And I think there's a possible, there's, you have opportunities for something to be light without feeling like you have to overload it with comedy. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt about, and I've always said, like, at least the animated, Sp- uh, um, animated Spider-Man, the first one in the 90s, that even when they introduced their cartoon version of Daredevil mm-hmm. and Blade as well, like, okay, let them be the serious characters and let Spider-Man feed off of them to, like, throw mm-hmm. the lightness of them. And I've always felt that even even though I couldn't, can, still cannot really stand Peter Parker in his character, but at least sometimes Spider-Man is that kind of human piece. And even Thor said it, like, you're the most human person on Mildor. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really felt that, like, okay, well, let him be that person and everybody right. be violent rated R. Like, well, honestly, I don't need to see a rated R Spider-Man, but there are some right. characters I, I do want to see, like, okay, this motherfucker can kill. We know this person mm-hmm. can kill. Everybody doesn't have to kill. That's even with DC, like, S- Superman and Batman don't have to kill, but they can. I can love to beat them up, people to beat them up. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, I mean, for coming on our little podcast to talk about all of these nerdy things. Your thank first, you for the hopefully space. Hopefully, guest. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the space. Thank you for all this as well. Um, Kayla, appreciate you and your friendship as well, and everybody. And thank Kenton. you for coming. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, well, with that, blurs, nerds, and everyone in between, we will talk to you guys next week.